right, fam? I feel like y'all are like mouse quiet. Y'all all right? We we good? Okay. All right. Just 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 making sure. How how many of us in uh I'm including social media on this poll? What what was just released? Did that did that resonate with you? Did did it did it resonate? Okay. Say if it didn't resonate with anybody else, there, there is one. All right, I was a little concerned that between Elder Johnny and Pastor AB, I wouldn't have a job. be back and um, I'm, I'm grateful uh, just the life circumstance just just happened to happen in a way uh, to where I just needed help in, in, in those areas and I'm grateful for them in fact can we bless God for for, for them very, very very grateful for for the for the word that, that they brought and uh, being able to uh, navigate the conversation as, as well uh, as they did with with this year's theme uh, of the year of the soul um, I, I ate quite well uh, in, in those times uh, myself from the God's root work in progress the two parts there are my feelings affecting my roots to feelings or faith uh, all, all of it was just was, was rich and keeping us within this uh, within the conversation uh, of looking at uh, the importance of the health and keeping uh, in top shape our soulish man our, our inner man because as just as a generation and as a people we are amazingly good at putting something on display on the outside that is not and nowhere near the reality of what's going on internally. It's, it's just, it's, it's survival mechanism. Here I am getting into the message already. I'm supposed to be prefacing. The survival mechanism. In the name of primitive survival, I, I will display what I feel like I need to in this situation to be able to extract what it is I feel like I need to get or to quote unquote make it out of whatever it is that is going on but when I take that pathology, take that thinking and then come and try and build a relationship with God with that same thing that will not work will not work because God has made it clear in uh, Various places in scripture. Man judges by the outward appearance. But I have one thing that I judge by. What's going on in here? What's going on in here? And that's, that's what's driving uh, the conversations this year. So, so in some way, um, we're trying to make sure that, that every message is, is getting us back to to looking at that so uh i'm actually gonna jump into a text that uh we've been in for a little while both elder johnny and past ab came from it so i was like you know there, there's enough meat in there to be able to continue to scratch off the the bones so let's uh let's rock to uh, matthew 13 i'm gonna go to uh, matthew 13 so i'm gonna just pull a, a particular part out matthew 13 verse 11 through 15 and then um Second Kings chapter 4, I believe. Yes, Second Kings chapter 4, starting at verse 8. So uh, you, if you can, you know, get that little ribbon in your, in your Bible or uh, the, the electronic ribbon on, on your phone, however it is that you do it. 
but uh, we're going to Matthew first, Matthew 13, and then uh, second, second Kings chapter 4. Yeah, uh-oh, time getting away on this list. Let's get ready to chop it up. Uh, but before we, go, uh, before we jump in that and before we pray, I want to give you, give you the, uh, the subject. The subject is uh, something that I heard a lot. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't my first job, but it was one of my first jobs. But I worked, uh, worked in a restaurant, worked for Chick-fil-A. And uh, back when I first got started, I was uh, on night shift a lot. But uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't too bad, except for this one question that I would constantly get from customers around closing time. I don't, know, I don't know if anybody, you know, ever worked in in food or whatnot, but, you know, you, you done had a long shift and whatnot, and you done got done what you need to get done, and as things are starting to wind down, and, and you getting your mindset for, all right, I got to do all this last-minute stuff, clean up so I can go home, and five minutes before you close, three minutes before you close, one time, one minute before we closed I get that infamous question hey y'all open that's my subject today y'all open y'all open because there is a specific kind of heart posture that we're about to look at and examine in these scriptures that the Lord said in order to progress in order to advance in order to get more in order to grow there's a certain kind of heart posture that I have to have and if I don't we're going to look at it and see what the remedy is and look at it and see what happens when I don't have it. So y'all open. That's my subject for today. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful to you for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy, for your presence. Every time, every time we set our affection and turn it to you, you do the same in return. And so we're grateful to you, Lord. We thank you that this time that we are about to embark on this journey in the world. We thank you, Lord, that we are about to feast on something that never changes. The grass withers, the flower fades, people change. But the word of the Lord stands forever. So, Holy Spirit, we're asking you to come and be the master coach, master teacher, master preacher that you are. No one does it better than you. And so I'm asking, simply be used. Let me trip up on my own insecurities. And what it is that's going on in me that you're working on. I don't want to trip up over that. And delivering what thus says the Lord. We are asking you to speak to us. And I thank you that everyone, including this one holding the microphone, is going to walk away empowered and strengthened by the conversation that we are about to have. We thank you, Lord, that that change comes from you and comes from what you say. Speak to us now, Lord. Feed us bread of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Y'all open. I had this family come in one time. I couldn't believe it. This brother came up. He had at least four or five children. And walked up to the counter at 8.58, we closed at 9, 8.58 p.m. with a smile on his face. And ordered everything into which it would require us to basically fire everything back up to cook for him. And then set his hind parts down in the dining room after telling him over and over it's going to eat up the time. The, the, the conversation that you're having with me is going to eat up the time. I just want you to know that. You only got two minutes. But he stood there. And because of the culture of the company that I worked for, we had to take care of it. In which we did. 
ain't do it with a smile. I'm going to go ahead and be real with that. I didn't do it with what might have been reflective of me on the outside toward him. It was not the same story that I was telling myself on the inside. Because I didn't want to be open at that time. But in another context, you can't afford not to be. I can't afford not to be open in, in, cer- in certain contexts because for me, for me to close myself uh, in, in a time, in a moment where I need to be open, at its most basic means that I have lost opportunity and lost access to what possibly could change everything. But because I have shut myself down, shut myself away, shut myself off, closed off all access points, I might feel safe. But then there's always that lingering question that'll be there. What I miss? What I miss? So let's, let's talk. Let's talk. Give him a scripture, sir. Let's, let's go. Beam me up. Let's do this. Matthew 13, just, just a few scriptures, Matthew 13, uh, verse 11 through, uh, verse 11 through 15, just going to walk systematically through, and let, let's talk about it for a little bit. This is Jesus talking. He explained, now context, now y'all know the context. We've been in this for, for a little while. We've been in Matthew 13 for a little while. This is the Lord talking to uh, the disciples after they ask him, uh, after he finished the parable, why do you always... Talk, talk in parables. Like, what's, what's the deal with that? Why are you talking in parables? Verse 11, Jesus explains, he explained, you, the disciples, have been given the intimate experience of insight into the hidden truths and mysteries of the realm of heaven's kingdom, but they, the, the multitude, the, the crowd, they have not been given this same uh, experience. For everyone who listens with an open heart will receive progressively more revelation until he has more than enough. But those who don't listen with an open, teachable heart, even the understanding that they think they have will be taken from them. 13. That's why I teach the people using parables. Because they think they're looking for truth, yet because their hearts are unteachable, they never discover it. Although they will listen to me, they never fully perceive the message that I'm speaking. The prophecy of Isaiah describes them perfectly. Although they listen carefully to everything I speak, they don't understand a thing I say. They look and pretend to see, but the eyes of their hearts are closed. The last one. Their minds are dull and slow to perceive. Their ears are plugged and are hard of hearing, and they have deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. Otherwise, they'd open their eyes to see, open their ears to hear, open their minds to understand. They would turn to me and let me instantly heal them. And let me instantly heal them. Go back to verse 11, please. So let me explain. You've been given an intimate experience of insight into the hidden truths and mystery, uh, mysteries of the realm of heaven's kingdom. But they, they have not. Intimate experience of insight. Intimate experience of insight. To be able to see. To be able to look at something and see what else is there. Yes, to be able to see what actually is there, but could, is it possible that there's something else that is there that's not the obvious? And the Lord is sitting here saying that, that disciples are, are invited into the intimate experience of being able to hone that ability. It is a hallmark of a disciple. It's a hallmark of a follower of Jesus to be able to look at a situation and see something that's beyond That's why we need representation of the kingdom to go into every sphere of influence. Because every sphere of influence has got something there that somebody doesn't see. 
There's something, there's something that is there that the eye of a disciple who's been invited into the intimate experience of insight has within them the ability to look at the most darkest and destitute of situation, the darkest and destitute of life, and look at it and say, I still know there's something here. I don't care what they did. I don't care what they did. I don't care who they did it with. If you bring them around the right way, I'm going to find that there's something else that is still there. Something else that is still there, which is why it's important ourselves around this hallmark so that as the body of Christ and we as the church build ourselves around this hallmark so that those who are hurt and are destitute would look at a place like this as a welcoming hospital rather than look at it from the parking lot and wonder if I go in there, are they going to make it worse? If I go in there, is it going to become worse than what's going on right now. It's my responsibility as a part of the church to make sure that when I am around someone and they pick up on the frequency that I am a follower of Jesus, that if they come to a conclusion that I am a bigot, I am religious, I am whatever the case, it won't be because of something they got from me. That comes off of what it is that you have gone through that you might project onto me, which is not my business. But I have to make sure that so long as it has to do with me, come on, Paul, as long as it has to do with me, I live peaceably with all men. I live peaceably with all men. So you've been, you've been given the intimate experience of insight into these hidden truths and mysteries, hidden truths and mysteries. This right here is just explaining very clearly to us that this thing is going to take some sense of effort to dig into. This is how that separation of, but they have not, was, was even able to be a, be a demarcation between the two. There was a group of people that was around that heard the parable that had not paid the same price that the disciples had paid. And there was a barrier to entry into being able to have the intimate experience of insight. There was a barrier to entry that required, that required a payment of some kind to be able to get into this place of intimacy. See, insight is an intimate activity. It's an intimate activity, given the intimate experience of insight. Insight is an intimate activity. You have the great, just check this out in your own life. You have the greatest insight into those that you are the most intimate with. There's a fact of relationships. You have the greatest insight into those whom you have the greatest intimacy with. If there is no intimacy between us, I probably don't know a whole lot about you. But the greater the level of intimacy, the more insight that I'm able to have, the more insight that, that you are able to have. And that's how, you know, if you break the word down, intimacy, it's, it's been done a few times. Intimacy into me see, into me see, into these hidden truths and these mysteries. So, so this, this is the same thing, that same relationship principle is uh, the, the same parameter that is happening whenever we engage with the kingdom. See, you've been given the intimate experience to insight into the hidden truths and mysteries of the realm of heaven's kingdom. God is not giving away the truths and the mysteries on sale. The truths and the mysteries of the kingdom do not go on sale. Greatness costs what it costs. There are certain places that never have sales. You don't come in here talking about, I want this down 30%. Not here. You should have had a certain amount of money. Should have had a certain amount of money. There's a certain quality aspect to this that we will not bend. And when it comes to advancing in the kingdom and advancing as a disciple, I got to pay what I got to pay. And if I can't pay it, I can't acquire. And I have to wait until I'm able to develop payment. And then I can come back and ask again. Now, million dollar question. What's this payment? What's the payment? 
Give me the next verse, please. Next verse. For everyone who listens with an open heart, here's the payment. Keep your money. Think about money. Everyone who listens with an open heart. An open heart. See, the, the, intimate in, the intimate experience of insight into the hidden truths and mysteries is not something that is easily attained. But it is available. And it's available through the fact that if I listen with an open heart, I will receive progressively more revelation until he has more than enough. Look at God building in a fitness plan with this thing. Progressively more revelation. Progressively more revelation. I'm going to give you what you need up to a certain point. And when you need more, more will be available to you. When you need to have more, I will pour more into you. When you have built capacity for more, I will pour more out into you. Progressively more revelation until he has more than enough. Meaning what? Now he becomes a distribution center. Not one who just keeps to himself. Not one that just keeps for himself. Not one that just constantly makes selfie videos for him to throw on his social media. And build up his own following as to what it is that he's hearing from the Lord. Once you have built up to where you have more than enough, you now become a distribution center to where you have a responsibility to be able to dispatch and get out from you. To be able to now go and go out and be able to feel others. And to help others along their journey of being able to receive progressively more revelation. But all of this hinges and hangs on the fact of, y'all open? Am I open? In the midst of all this, do, do I have an open heart for what it, for what it is that, that is happening that is going on? Everyone who listens with an open heart. Everyone who listens with an open heart is the one who, who receives the, the progressive revelation until he has more than enough. And as I was preparing for this, I just one thing I do that when, when, I, when I prepare messages or try to do is I just question the text. What is happening? What is going on? No question is a dumb question. The Lord told me so. I'm going to ask. So I asked, um, since when do hearts have ears? Listens with an open heart. What is that? Since when do hearts have ears? Uh, how, how does a heart posture affect what I'm hearing? That seems like that's two different parts of the body. How, how can my heart affect what it is that, that I hear? And then he told me it's, it's, it's along the same lines of the fact that you, you do not see with your eyes. Your eyes pick up images, but without the information coming from your brain, based off of what it is that you have gone through and the experiences that you have in life, if you did not have that frequency coming from the mind to be able to say, this is a tree, this is a car, this is my son, this is my mother, my eyes would do me no good. My eyes would do me no good within that. So in the, in the same light, the posture of one's soul determines what's going through their ears and the information that they pick up with what they heard. The, the, the abused child, I've run into this. The abused child grows up, grows up in an unfortunate environment, terrible and it's an unfortunate environment. But they grow up and they leave the house. Then they get around another strong man 
who brings a sense of order and discipline into their life when they have done something wrong. It is nothing against them personally. It is nothing against who they are, but as, as a man, I see that you are doing something that is destructive, so I got to say something to you as, as the, the position that I hold. I got to say something to you to let you know at least that somebody care enough to say that you are off course. Now, the one who grew up in the household that was abused verbally and the one that grew up in the household with a sense of abuse, when they hear the, the grown man, when they hear the caring man bring some sense of discipline, they hear what they came from although it is not being given in that way why because of how they are listening with their heart how they're listening with their heart so so everyone that listens with an open heart listens with an open heart they listen with an open heart. Now, what's the open heart? Ooh, these words hurt. When he gave them to me, I was like, eh. This is why. The open heart. The vulnerable heart. The transparent heart. The exposed heart. The at-risk heart. At risk of what? Being hurt. Remember, the, the, the condition of the closed heart, remember, survival mechanism. Survival mechanism against what? I don't want to feel pain. I don't want to feel pain. I, I don't want that to happen to me again. So although I might be going wayward, sir, what you said to me hurt my feelings. So I'm going to start to back away disappear, close myself off. And as I'm doing that as a defense mechanism, at the same time, I'm, lo I'm losing opportunity. Let, let, me, let, me, let me stay. Let me stay with us now. Stay with it, Jermaine. For everyone who listens with the open heart will see progressively more revelation until he has more than enough. But those who don't listen with an open, teachable heart, even the understanding that they think they have, that they think they have will be taken from them. Which begs a question. If that there's such a that's promise right here, everyone who listens to the open heart receives progressively more revelation until he has more than enough. That, that's, that's beautiful and that's good. But why are so many people so closed and militant with their heart? With their heart parts. Now, to, to be fair, Scripture is clear that we are to guard our heart with all diligence. For out of it springs forth the issues of life. So, so there is, there is a uh, certain sense of guardianship that I should have with my heart. But we've got to remember that the, the role of the guard is not to keep everything and everyone out. The role of the guard is to keep certain things and certain ones out. If a guard, wherever he might be, didn't let anybody in, what's the point of him being there? Just lock the door. The guard is there because he, he has the role of if there is an impeding danger, if there's a danger that's around, if there's something that's going to compromise what's going on here, it's my role to stop that. So it's my role to stop that person. It's my role to stop that conversation. It's my role to stop that from going into the ear gate, the eye gate, the mouth gate. That's what, that's what the guard is. So, so I, can't, I can't be so, so militant and, and, so, and so hard and so distant that that nothing can get in very important so pro progressively more progressively more God reveals to us in stages until he has more than enough forgot to mention this until he has more than enough that phrase literally means until he habitually superabounds. 
until the individual with the open heart habitually, it becomes a habit to continue to superabound, to continue to be able to receive revelation from God, to continue to be able to see God in everything. We, we'll talk about this scripture a, a little bit more later on, but uh, in the Beatitudes, the Lord said, bless all the pure in heart for what? They shall see God. Look at how the heart posture, the soul posture, being in a place of purity causes me to be able to see him. See him in up. See him in down. See him in health. See him in sickness. See him in every aspect. It didn't say it was they would see God in only particular situations. They see God so long as the heart posture remains pure. Bless all the pure for they shall see God. They shall see God. And so more on the closed heart. The closed heart not open and thereby not teachable implies that there is someone and something that I don't know that I need to know in order for these mysteries to be open to me. There's someone and there's something that I don't know that I need to know. But if my heart is closed, I can't, I can't get to that. So based on what I experience in life, if my heart is closed, based it, it is because of what I have experienced in life, and I have picked up action habits of what I let in and what I do not. Problem with this is that I will miss out on an opportunity for his word to enter in and bring the much-needed healing and progression that's needed. If I build that fence, if I build that fence around me in the name of survival, it does work. Seemingly, to keep people out and keep things at bay. But what most people don't realize when they do that is that they have built a prison that traps them in. We think it's, it's, just, it's just an assault and a get back at whatever it is that might have happened. But at the same time, what you are doing is you are building a fence that you are on the inside of, not the outside. You've built something that you're now encased in. And so I got at them. I kept them away. But now I wonder why there's no progressive revelation. Why is there no progress? Why do I feel like my life is stuck? Why do I feel like I should have been further alone than this? Is it possible? Is it possible that somewhere along the line, I put a lock and key on my heart? I put a lock and key on my heart. Certain areas I let the Lord have, but then there are others when people try and bring something up or a pastor preaches a message or I find a particular text in the scriptures, I ain't trying to hear that. Not listening with an open and teachable heart. So then what happens is I put at risk the understanding that I think I got. Because the text is clear. Even the understanding that they think they got. What I think I know. What, what, what I thought to be true. Now I'm standing on shaky ground. Even understanding that they think they have. It's going to be snatched away and going to be taken from them. And all the while, me, this offense, I built a fence to keeping people out and at a distance. But inadvertently, I built a prison that keeps me in. I have become a misguided guard. I've become the misguided guard. I've also become the stifled guard because now... I can't do my job. I'm trapped. I can't do my job in guarding my heart because now I've been encased in what I built to be a defense. Next verse, next verse. We tracking? We tracking? I'm going to just assume that y'all eating real good and just taking it in. Okay. Verse 13. So, this is why. The Lord teaches 
using parables. So I'm, so I'm going to code it. I'm going to code the truth in parables. Because they think they're looking for truth. These, these are the closed hearts people now. Because they think they're looking for truth, yet because their hearts are unteachable, they never discover it. Although they will listen to me, they never fully perceive the message. The message that, that, I, that I speak. So, so the Lord says, uh, let me make sure I'm following along here. So every teaching, conversation, parable that comes, that comes from Jesus. John chapter 1 makes it clear uh, that he is the word. Okay? In the beginning was the word, or with God. Where it was God, everything is made, made, made through him, we, we, we got that. So, so the word wraps himself in flesh, verse 14, comes, dwells among us, Emmanuel, God with us, and walks uh, in the earth and is walking, giving word. John 6, verse 63, uh, lets us know with that, because he said that everything that, that I speak is, is spirit, Spirit, spirit and life always has that component to it. I can always lean on that. Every time the Lord speaks to me, it's going to be a spiritual transaction, and it's going to be something that imparts and brings a sense of life to me. Everything that he speaks, my words are spirit and they are life. So within them, so uh, Jesus had spirit and life in his words because they were his words, and as they passed, but as they passed through the listener's ears, this is what I wanted to get at. So spirit and life, everything that he is saying is going on this journey and is passing through everybody's ear canal. It's passing through everybody's ear canal, but remember, we just built the case that you don't just listen with this. You're listening with what's going on internally, inside of you, and with what's happening within your heart. So everybody is picking up on the same words and sentences and phrases that Jesus is giving that have spirit and life to them. But why is everyone not walking away with the same thing? Everyone's not walking away with the same thing. So as it passed through the listener's ears, even if they were listening carefully, so it doesn't matter how much effort they put into trying to study, trying to listen, trying to examine, trying to pay attention. That is not the issue. The issue is there's something foundationally that is going on within them where they are closed. They're closed. So even if they're listening carefully, the words examine the posture of the heart to simply see if it is open or if it is closed. So the words leave his mouth, spirit and life leave his mouth, and they come up to the individual and is, and is examining. Is the heart open and closed? If it's open, progressively more. And that shows in the fruit of their life. One with an open heart, you can't help but look at their life and see progressively more. Something has shifted. Something has changed. Something has happened with you. Same spirit and life word comes up to another individual. One who is closed. And in being closed, by default, unteachable. Can't get mad at me now. This is the text. The text says, if I'm closed, I'm by default unteachable. And in being unteachable, even what I think I got is going to be robbed from me. And then because they, they are looking for truth yet because their heart are unteachable, they never discover it. How aggravating it is to look for something that I never find. To look for something that I never find that has nothing to do with uh, my passion in the hunt. Nothing to do with that. Has nothing to do with how aggressive or how, how much I turn up the heat on my ability to hunt. That's not the issue at all. The issue at all, the issue at hand is that I've started on the wrong foot. My heart is closed and unteachable. 
And because of that, I never discovered it. And although they would listen to me, they never fully perceived the message that I speak. And this is how one can constantly come to church week after week after week after week. And you still can't tell us what the pastor said. I told you I ain't been here in a while, so I got to get this out. Don't turn me off. I told you I ain't been here in a while, so I got to get this out. Sitting under, sitting under the word, sitting under the teaching, and, and nothing is sticking and nothing is progressively moving forward. We got to go deeper. We've got to go deeper than just work schedule. We got to go deeper than just you couldn't get the, bed, the, the kids to bed. We've got to go deeper and, and ask the core question and making sure, is my heart open? Am, am, I, li am I living a life of vulnerability? I'm not, talk I'm not talking telling your business you know, out on social media and all that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a posture of vulnerability and transparency where I am authentically me in every situation. It, it, it is important that I live that way because in living that way, I open myself up to progressively more revelation. Give me, give me the next verse, please. Next verse. Prophecy of Isaiah describes them perfectly. Although they listen carefully to everything I speak, they don't understand a thing I say. So then what did they do? Then they look and pretend to see. They look and pretend to see. Look and pretend to see. So the word comes, examines their heart, sees, sees that it's closed. And you know, that, no, that's the scripture, Hebrews 4.12. The word is strong enough to do that. Powerful and active. Able to cut and to get, get down to the what? The thoughts and intents of the heart. Getting down to the thoughts and intentions of the heart to see what's really happening with, within the heart. Because if, if it cuts down that deep and it sees that <clears throat> at the core it's dealing with an open heart, it will allow the revelation in it to flow. If it sees us dealing with something that is closed, this is how only one hears a story and quickly becomes bored with what it is that they're hearing. This is how, that, that's, how, that's how that happens. And then a lot of times, too, what Revelation looks like is you and I seeing ourselves, seeing ourselves, and what it is that's, that's being said. That's how, that's how you know that, that, you, that you're in a place to where you are dealing with an open heart. If I'm able to see myself and what it is that's, that's being said. If I'm able to see myself, the areas that the Lord is calling me to correct, what was just said to me is challenging me, is, is working in me, is working on me. That is a clear sign that, that an open heart is being worked with. But if I'm never seeing myself in the text... I find myself just trying to pretend for the hour and a half or two or two hours. Then I got to then I got to make sure that I'm I'm list, that I'm listening with this open heart because although they listen carefully everything I speak, they won't understand nothing I say. They look pretend, but the eyes of their hearts, the core, the real issue, they are closed. It's closed. So coming back to the posture of the heart, am I open? Y'all open? Or am I closed? Am I open or am I closed? And this is not answered by what I say when asked, am I open? Because I know I asked a question. Y'all open? And, and we in church, of course we're going to say yes. We in church. We, we, know, how, we know how the church answers. We, we know how to do that. But see, when it comes to God asking me this question, I can't just give an answer with my mouth. I have to give an answer from the fruit of my life. Let's look at what that fruit looks like. Fruit of either 
We saw it in the text. Progressive revelation or lack of understanding. I'm just not quite getting it. Now, point here. It's okay to have a lack of understanding and be on a journey of move and be in some sense of movement. What's not okay is not understanding and keeping that to yourself. You are setting yourself up for massive frustration if the word is going forth. You're not comprehending and understanding and you don't let anybody in. Because then I've just turned it into a religious duty and religious experience. And I'm never going to be able to extract the fullness of what it was intended to be. Because as we saw, the open heart is supposed to have an overflow, progressive revelation until you see, until you have more than enough, until it overflows. It has more than enough. God, God's intention for our life is to be one that is overflowing, moving forward, progressive, full, full to the absolute feel. But it starts with that posture, uh, that posture of the heart being one that is open. So uh, last verse here, and then we're going to hit uh, 2 Kings. Those with closed hearts, their minds are dull and slow to perceive. Their ears are plugged and hard of hearing. They have deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. Otherwise, they would open their eyes to see and open their ears to hear, open their minds to understand. Then they would turn to me and let me instantly heal them. Let me instantly heal them. Now, uh, that phrase at the top, minds are dull and slow to perceive. When you dig into that in uh, original language, in Aramaic in particular, that uh, the word in Aramaic for that phrase is waterlogged. So their minds are dull, slow to perceive, or their minds have been waterlogged. So filled with water as to be heavy and unmanageable. So filled with water as to be heavy and unmanageable. Now, we, uh, if you just go back up a few verses, you got to remember this is, still, this is still the whole discourse of the parable of the sower. Pastor A.B. did a you know, fantastic job, Elder Johnny, walking us through that. And we know that that is a particular soil and posture of the heart. Preoccupied with so many other things, minds are so full and capacity bound that it cannot be open to more. It can't be open to anything more. You know what that made me think about? Made me think about those uh, those hoarder shows, those shows of those people that got just an overabundance of stuff in the house, too much stuff, way too much stuff within the house. And with and within the majority of those houses, there are certain rooms that is it, there's nothing wrong with the room in and of itself. When the builder built the house. The builder built the house with the intention that you were going to be able to navigate and move in and out of this room as much as you wanted to. Problem is, you put too much in here. Issue at hand is you, you, you've put too much in here, which now gives us insight into the journey of going from closed to open heart. A closed heart first is going to have to have a massive extraction to be able to take place of all of the gunk and junk that I let stay in. Because the door is jammed and I can't open it. So for some of us, it's, it's not even that you don't want to listen or you don't want to get it. You can't. Holding on to too much. You can't. You're still hot and mad over what happened 15 years ago. You can't. You still feel justified to feel that way. You, you can't. And so now you're in an environment where, where revelation is, is flourishing and in abundance. But your bag's too full. You've been waterlogged. You got too much water in the boat. The boat wasn't intended to carry water. It was to navigate through it. And because I've been waterlogged, 
I got too much going on. And so they, but I also, my, my ears are plugged. I'm hard of hearing. Deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. Otherwise, look at this. Otherwise, they would turn their eyes to see, open their ears to hear, open their minds to understand. Then they would turn to me and let me instantly heal them. Showing what? The crossover from, from closed to open is not difficult. Not easy. But it's not this, this coded thing that's designed to keep me out. It's got one trigger. Be open. It's got one trigger. Allowing the Lord to examine what's really going on inside of me. Check me on what's really going on inside of me. Check me on the conclusions that I have come to. And I never challenge myself why I think like that. Why I behave like that. Why I see this like that. In those areas where I have not truly been challenged, those closed areas of my heart. And, and truth be told, we all got them to some degree. There's some areas in the heart that I just have not allowed to be fully open. And in that area, what I am doing is short-circuiting and dwarfing myself from progressive revelation that could be the key to get me out. That could be the key to get me out. Otherwise, they open their eyes to see, they open their ears to hear, open their minds to understand. Turn to me and then what? Let me instantly, instantly heal them. Instantly heal them. Now, of course, your Bible scholars, you understand. When we're talking about open, closed heart, we're talking about a posture of one's soul. One's inner man. And even in the face of hurt, and disappointment, pain, nowhere in the text am I excused to be closed. Nowhere am I given a pass to stay closed. There must be a level of vulnerability, transparency, authenticity that still stays spirit of God that is empowered by the Spirit of God and empowered by my relationship with the Spirit of God as he continues to coach me into what it is to maintain an open heart. Now what we're about to look at is seeing this in action. Seeing someone, someone in the Bible. Seeing how their, their navigation, evidently from something that had happened with them, how they were closed off but needed to be open in order for the word of God and the work of God to, to uh, break out in their life. Give me, give me the second, the, uh, second Kings. And just, just, give me a, just give me a few minutes with this. We still tracking? Somebody type amen in, in, the, in the chat for me. This, one, this one's just rolling out in good teaching. This is, this is just so good. So good. Second Kings chapter 4, looking at, uh, we're going to read a, a, good, a good chunk. This is uh, the uh, account of Elisha with, with the Shunammite woman. Second Kings, Second Kings chapter 4, verses 8 through 28. Just going to uh, read them all. One day Elisha passed through uh, Shunam, a leading lady of the town, talked him, and, uh, talked him into stopping for a meal, and then it became his custom. Whenever he passed through, he stopped by for a meal. This is message translation, by the way. I'm certain, said the woman to her husband, that this man who stops by with us all the time is a holy man of God. Why don't we add on a small room upstairs and furnish it with a bed and a desk, chair and lamp, so that when he comes by, he can stay with us? Verse 11. And so it happened that the next time Elisha came by, he went to the room and laid down for a nap. Verse 12, then he said to his servant Gehazi, tell the Shunammite woman I want to see her. He called her and she came to him. 13, though uh, through Gehazi, Elisha said, you've gone far beyond the call of duty in taking care of us. What can we do for you? Do you have a request that we can bring to the king or, command, or, or the commander of the army? She replies, um, nothing, I'm secure and satisfied in my family. 14, Elisha conferred with Gehazi. It's got to be something we can do for her. But what? Gehazi said, well, she has no son. And her husband 
is an old man. 15. Call her in, said Elisha. And he called her and she stood at the door. I want you to stop right here, Tristan. I'm going to read it. Elisha said to her, this time next year, you're going to be nursing an infant son. Says the Lord. Her response. Oh, my master, oh, holy man of God. Don't play games with me. Teasing me with such fantasies. Stop. Let's talk for a minute. This woman, Shunammite, blessed, her and her husband doing, doing pretty well in the community. See the man of God coming back and forth. Won't you stop and stay with us? He does that over and over. Talks her husband into investing the money into a renovation to their house to add on a bedroom solely for the purpose of the man of God so that when he come through, he know where he can stay. Does all of this so there is a certain persona that the Shunammite has that she projects to the community, that she projects to her husband, that she projects to friends, that does not quite tell a full story of what's happening inside. Because if you look at this text with me and we all can read, man of God gave her good news. This is good. And evidently, from Gehazi's report, this must have been something that is an appetite and something that you have desired. Something that you've desired. And man of God brings forth a word from the Lord. Twelve months. What it is that you are desiring and what it is that is seated in your belly as something that you really want to see God do and really want to see happen and really want to see come to pass is going to be given to you. She responds. King Jimmy says, she said, don't lie to me. New Living Translation says, don't, don't build up and infuse false hope in me. Don't play games with me teasing me with such fantasies. An area of her heart that has been closed off based off of experience that happened in her yesterday. And here she is in the face and opportunity of the greatest breakthrough in which she would be able to, to, to have within her life that connects itself to a true, genuine desire that she's had. But because of what happened back then, and even in the face of her being as hospitable as she was, she still had an area of a closed heart, which begs the question, with those of us that are in this room and those of us that are watching. When it comes to what you've said and placed before God. When it comes to what you said the word of the Lord was to you. And perhaps it's taken more calendar time than what I thought it should have. In that time. Has the door of my heart began to slowly see it with her? Obviously, that slowly because we we see it we see it with her. Obviously, that there was, there was a span of time where this was probably a priority number one. This is what she was talking about. This is what she was believing for. You know, her, her and her husband doing what doing what they got to do and setting themselves up for this to be a reality and to happen. Yet over time. I just, I just can't, I just, I just can't keep putting myself out there like that. It's not that I don't love God, but it's just, with, with this one, I'm just, I'm just going to put this one down. I'm just going to settle in, and, and I'm, I'm good. He, he asked her, what, what can we do for you? I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm all right. Satisfied with one of my own means, I'm, I'm good. She doesn't have a son and she wants one. Mm, okay. This time next year. 
Don't play games with me like that, man of God. I, I've been there. I, I've been down that road. Listen, I, I've been down that road. I'm not, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to go there again. I'm not trying to go there again. thought I was pregnant a hundred times only to find out. Mm-mm. Thought I finally had the idea that was going to jump off it. Thought I finally met the one. And it broke my heart. Thought me and, me and my child were finally on good terms. And he stole everything out of my bedroom. Y'all open? Because the only way to the progression of revelation and progression in my relationship with God is that even in those painful times and that hurt, and I'm a little hot about this one, Lord, yet you said, and I can't deny that this was your word to me. And in order for that due season to come to pass, there's an openness that I need to have. So don't play games with me like that, teasing me with such fantasies. Get, get, keep, keep going with me, Tristan. 17. 17, the woman conceived a year later, just as Elisha had said. She had a son. Next verse. The child grew up, but one day went uh, to his father who was working with the harvest hands, and the boy was complaining, my head, excuse me, my head. His father ordered a servant carry him to his mother. Servant took him in his arms and carried him to his mother. He lay uh, on her lap until noon and died. She took him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut him in alone and left. She then called her husband, get me a servant and a donkey so I can go to the holy man. I'll be back as soon as I can. 23, but why today? This isn't a holy day. It's neither new moon or Sabbath. She said, don't ask questions. I just need to go right now. Trust me. She went ahead and saddled the donkey, ordering her servant, taking the lead and go, and go as, uh, ordering her servant, take the lead, go as fast as you can. I'll tell you if you're going too fast. And so off she went. She came to the holy man at Mount Carmel. 25, 26, the holy man spotting her while she was still a long way off. Uh, Ryan, you can go ahead and play. I'm, I'm wrapping up. The holy man spotting her uh, while she was a long way off said to his servant Gehazi, look out there. Why is the Shunammite woman? Quickly now, ask her, is something wrong? Are you all right? Your husband? Your child? She said, everything's fine. Talking to Gehazi. Now, talk to Gehazi. Everything's fine. But when she reached the holy man of God at the mountain, she threw herself at his feet and held it tightly to him. Gehazi came up to pull her away, but the holy man said, leave her alone. Can't you see she's in distress? But God hasn't let me in on why. I'm completely in the dark. Next verse I hear. Then she spoke up. Did I ask you for a son? Master, didn't I tell you? Don't tease me with these false hopes. I, I, I told you I didn't want to go through this. I, I told you that. I told you, don't get me up like that. Don't awaken that within me. Don't make me hope for that again. I told you that it was painful. I've been through enough pain with that. I told you I'm trying to stay close to that. I'm trying to stay close to that. Now as you continue reading, the man of God goes uh, to the boy, lay, lays on top of him, and miraculously his life returns back to him. And he lives. But what I was wanting us to see was the condition of the closed heart. Even in the face of getting what was asked for. Yes, there was the, there was the pain of the tragedy of, of him dying. But we see the word of the Lord still come to pass. Point being, 
with all of that? Where is it in my heart that I feel the hand of God pressing, but I keep the door closed because I'm not trying to go back through that again. I'm not trying to go back down that road again. some of us say it to him no Lord I, I'm not not with that one not with that one and when we do that could it be that there's an opportunity for a massive extraction to take place so that my heart can finally do what it was intended to do place in the house of the Spirit of God is within man, within the heart of man, and he need not be in there cramped with other things that don't need to be there. Am I open? Am I open to his voice? Am I open to what he's saying? Am I open to the correction that he's bringing? Am I open to the instruction that he's giving? Why have I been closed off in this compartment of my soul that still holds a sense of damage? Let me read this last statement. When wave after wave of disappointment and hurt hits us, can fill us with more than what we should be carrying. And the soul becomes weighed down. It says that we must let go of every wound that has pierced us. And let it go. And so from today, from today's conversation, with everything that's been said, I wanted to come back home. Come back home. Come back to Nucleus. Come back to True North. And all of us walk away with this simple question.